Do you want to sleep with her? It's not like you own me or something, you know. I didn't say that. No, you implied it. What is it with you, anyway? I mean, uh, how come you always want to start something all the time? I'm sorry. I don't know why I get like that. I mean, uh, I got a right to live my life the way I want, and I thought we had that all settled in the beginning. What about me? No, you live it the way you want. Just remember who pays the bills, that's all. Yeah, you, uh, you've got nothing to say about that, do you? And you like to, uh, you like to spend money and all that stuff? I never hear you complain about that, do I? You know, Marty, sometimes you can be a real bastard. Thank you. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? We are back with an episode that's right before New Year's, and we're going to... This is the end of an era for us. We're going to start fresh in the new year by not doing shitty movies like this anymore, (laughs) like the movie we're about to cover. Is that right? Is that that what you're begging for? At this point, yeah, I'm kind of like, like, let's put that on the docket. No more of these, uh, like, uh, you know the giant tubs that you get when you go to, like, Walmart that have, like, $4 DVDs in them? Yes. And, like, after, if you dig through all 2,000 of them that are laid in there, and after your seventh copy of, like, uh, Parent Trap that you found in there, and you stumble upon this, this film... Like, I, I'm about ready. I think we should move on. Maybe, you know, maybe do what we were originally supposed to do, jallos and such. Well, I think that um, if this were in a bargain bin, that would be crazy. Because this, this doesn't even have the name re- recognition to be in a bargain bin. Just like... Baby's day out. People would be like, what the f- what the fuck is that? Well, hold on, hold on. Well, here's the... Th- here's- Here's the caveat to that. In America, no, but just like Patio Lanterns is a hit in Canada, <laughs> this film would be in that bargain bin because it's the Canadian Shining, Stephen King's A, Ghostkeeper. Hey. The moose is loose up in Alberta. You just you revealed know, Brett, the movie already. We don't do yeah, that. I know. I know. Well, you know what? Bret Hart is the greatest thing ever to come out of. Alberta, Canada, and uh, Brett Hitman Hart wouldn't deal with this crap. Yeah, this is this is definitely this movie is definitely uh, a, you know a movie that has gone under the radar for one thing. It's not something that a lot of people know about, and truthfully, I didn't know about it uh, either um, until I saw an article that had been posted that said you should watch this for New Year's, and I was like, I put I put that on my list of 
of things to do later on. And I've never even heard of this movie until now. Um, but for anybody that's looking to watch it, it's directly on YouTube. So uh, I, I think like free something movies, free, free, free movies or something like that has it on YouTube. And they've got the whole thing. You, you get a couple ads here and there, but for the most part, you get all 83 minutes of it on YouTube to watch. Um, and in a fairly good quality too. It's certainly like a VHS rip because you can hear the crackling of the VHS. Oh yeah, it's you can, you delightful. Can, it's but, like popcorn going in the background. But it's definitely better than that uh, copy of Mako that we watched uh, back in the day. If you remember that one, where you couldn't make out anything that was happening. De- but definitely better than Home Sweet Home too that we just recently watched. Um, Ghostkeeper d- it did though get a a release from Code Red, and so that's why it's kind of like. More of like a, a quality from the eighties. What's that? I said that sounds like a porn company. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, they just released a lot of um, more obscure movies, and and this was one of them that they did release. But uh, it's definitely not one of those movies that has gotten massive amounts of popularity, and for good reason. And we'll talk about why that is on today's show. Um, the one thing that I do want to bring up too is we talk about tangential movies uh, related to the themes on our episodes. And I did lambaste Martin about the uh, Christmas tie-in um, in our Christmas episode when we did the James Bond movie. But Honor in Majesty's Secret Service. Honor, yeah, Honor Majesty's Alms, as I like <laughs> to uh, abbreviate it, Alms. But... Um, this one is very tangential to New Year's Eve. If you think about what, like, I guess New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. If you think about New Year's as a holiday, kind of hard to quantify it with, with like, um, decorations and stuff, especially in the background of movies. There's a few things that you can think of, like, you might think parties. You might think, like, white lights, maybe. Um, gold and silver decorations, because a lot of New Year's is, uh, like, gold for some reason. Um, and maybe the, like a countdown, but other than that, I can't really think of things that would typify the new year's experience. So it's a much harder theme to capture in a movie. Well, though there is, um, you're forgetting the tried and true Dick Clark's new year's jamboree. So you think like just having that on that in the background (laughs) is like enough. It's like, Oh, it's new year's. Well, I mean, at NBC or whatever felt, you know, that was necessary, even when the poor man couldn't do it anymore. I know. Stroke Come watch paral- the de- decrepit corpse of Dick Clark. Stro- stroke paralysis and all. and you att- know, Ryan- Attempt to host a, a giant party. <laughs> and Ryan Seacrest is just sitting there pushing over. I'm like, yeah, Dick, get off screen. As he's like, oh, the ball's <laughs> dropping. And I don't even... I definitely don't blame Dick Clark for any of that. No, That's the fucking production company who's like, Dick, you're doing it. You are the face of this festival, and we're expecting you to go on. And Dick's like, I'm scheduled for my euthanasia (laughs) (laughs) the next day. You're doing it anyway. Wow, they still call it that. They still call I did not know that because I haven't paid attention to that. Yeah, they still call it like, it's like Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, wow, what a piece of shit. I think what they should have done. And say, Dick Clark's New Year's Eve celebration with Ryan Seacrest because Dick Clark is dead. That should be the whole title. 
And some other assholes. <laughs> and some other assholes that your younger sister cares about, but you don't. Come watch with us as uh, we highlight the hottest stand-ins that we put in the crowd. To make them look like they're having fun while other people are sloshing around with their piss buckets. Look at that. In 2014, <laughs> Blondie was headlining it with fucking Macklemore and Miley Cyrus. What the fuck was Blondie doing there? No idea. Oh, Duran Duran this year. She wasn't getting any more um, it's gonna be Duran Duran this year. movies. So you're saying if, if Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve is in the background, qualifies as a New Year's movie. I mean, you just gotta have the little, you know, little twirly things and uh, yeah. Well, this know. movie, Ghost Keeper, doesn't even have that. No, it's got there nothing. is there is a one-off dialogue piece of dialogue that's like, "Hey, I wonder what those other people are doing right now because it's New Year's, <laughs> something like that." And that's pretty much all you get to like really cement the fact that this movie is set at New Year's. And I'm not even sure what the purpose of that is. Like, what, what, why does it even matter that this is set at New Year's for this movie? Because it has no quality to it that would say, like, this is why we're, this is why it's New Year's. There's no, like, there doesn't need to be a reason that these people are stranded at a cabin because it's New Year's. So it's really a pointless exercise in having a New Year's movie. But, we're going to do it anyway because it is a technically a New Year's movie. And it's one of the few New Year's movies that I can think of because we've already done the biggest one. The biggest and best one that you can do for New Year's. New Year's Evil. We've already done it. Unless we want to do it again. That's fine with me. We can do it again. Just keep doing it every single New Year's. Yeah, it's been forever since we actually did it. I know. Maybe we do need. Maybe we need to do it again. It's like it's a fresh start. We're gonna do it again. <laughs> Our first revisit. Yeah. I mean, there there is, I think, some value in revisiting again. Um, some of these movies, especially for like our earlier episodes, we were still finding our feet and and trying to do different things. But yeah, I. So it, we're going back and we're doing the Costas Mandalorian. We're just, again. just gonna do everything all over again. A remake of a remake. Um, all right, <clears throat> let's take let's take a break real quick before we start talking about Ghostkeeper and the limited amount of stuff that we can think of to say about Ghostkeeper. Oh, wow! Sorry, didn't mean to preface the episode. People are like, "All right, uh, clicking off now." I fucking love Ghostkeeper. Why are they saying? <laughs> why are they saying these things about this movie? Um, all right, let's talk about the beer that we have on the show today. Speaking of, before you do, though, oh, yeah. um, going to that, you should ask your Canadian uh, counterpart if, uh, like, Ghostkeeper, what do you think of it? Like, oh, Canadian classic. Oh, I can I can bet that he's not heard of this. I, he's, yeah, I don't. I right, don't. Up, right up there with my bloody Valentine and, uh, you know, uh, other things. Yeah. And to be honest with you, yeah, the the Canadian movie scene is pretty limited. But at the same time, I feel like. Um, they're more focused on music artists, right? Like making sure that music artists get center spotlight in Canadian, um, airwaves and stuff like that, but not so much the movies. They're like, we know we don't, we make shit movies most of the time. So. 
so just, you're admit, just kidding, just so kidding. You, so you're admitting when we did uh, not that long ago, just a couple of months ago, so creepy, it's Cronenberg. I mean, craving some, <laughs> craving some Cronenberg. Sorry, that uh, USA uh, Craven was better than Canadian Cronenberg. <laughs> it was a joke. I'm joking. Not not trying to disparage the Canadian film market. All right, what do we got on the whether, show? I would say whether they make good films or not, they give the tax break. That's that why is true. Gets, gets yeah. shot up in Vancouver and Toronto. That's that is true. You know, like you guys shoot it here, bring it back to the states. Okay, beer on the show. What do you? What did you get for us today? Because it was your your pick today. Well, um, now that we're almost in January. And the new year's upon us. That means as the winter has grown colder and more brutal here in upstate New York, it's becoming harder to find a winter ale. So, yeah, techni- and technically we are, we're just entering winter, honestly. I mean, December 22nd or whatever is, is winter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, we're, it's you know, already becoming hard to find. Sam Adams has already pushed out their spring pack. So, uh, but I was able to stumble upon while I was... Uh, Perusing our local packy store, uh, was able to find a nice winter ale that we haven't done from a brewery. I think we've only had like maybe one or two of their beers on here, which is surprising because we do get a lot, a lot around in the area. But it's a brewery that I do from a couple of beers I've had from them. I'll have to check on tap to see how many exactly. But I mean, like from what I've had, I do enjoy them. I just never really go out of my way to get it. And which is Rogue, based out of beautiful Oregon, and their Mogul Madness. You say beautiful like you've ever been there before. (laughs) Based out of, so I've heard beautiful Oregon. (laughs) I played the Oregon Trail. There you go. I was able to make it there, unlike all you other heathens who died on, you know, forbring a river like a fool. But... (laughs) But <laughs> so I got Rogue Mogul Madness, which is their winter ale, and it's dedicated to strong knees because it's got a skier who's about to go drop in and have his knees blows out, blown out. And if you're over the age of twenty seven and you're doing like sports like that, you're a fool. Insurance companies laugh at you. You're a fool. No blessing of your knees is gonna get you through that. But you know what? Yeah, they're you got the month. <laughs> They're already prepping the uh, the mechanical knee that they're going to be. Not even. They won't even. They'll just fix, you know, cut a ligament and be like, yeah, you got a shitty knee for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, you know, that's going to ache. You're going to be able to tell, you know, pressure drops and everything when the I, storm's coming. I've never been downhill skiing. I've never done moguls. Looks like a fun time. Um, no. Moguls definitely look like something that would be. Difficult to do, like difficult and um, uncomfortable. See, I've never downhill skied. I've snowboarded, not that much, but I have snowboarded, and we did. We have done cross country skiing because we've done that, you know, and uh, gym class around here Mm -hmm. because we get the weather for it. But we have a friend that's very into snowboarding, and he hurts himself every year snowboarding, and. And it's not that he hurts himself every year snowboarding that, you know, makes me go, wow, that sucks. For me, as somebody, and we're getting a little off topic here, but for me, as someone who's skateboarded before and used to skateboard, 
Snowboarding and skiing sucks because of the pure fact that you are binded to your shit and you can't bail. Yeah. Skateboarding, if you weren't, if you were going to like try to do something or you're riding and you don't have control and you can kind of tell, like, and the more you do it, the more you can kind of tell when things are going to get iffy. You can bail and you can learn how to bail right and like, you know, save your, save your ass. Mm hmm. Um, you do that skiing or snowboarding, uh, you fuck up. You kind of got to look at it and be like, well, this is going to suck. And then kind of barely brace yourself for the suckage. So that's why, especially now, the older that I get, I can't, I can't get into like, like that kind of crap. It's not for me. Fuck that. (laughs) But the beer I can get into. (laughs) That's right. This is, if I would say, and it is a winter ale. Is a beautiful, but bog standard winter ale. It is biscuity as all hell, very malty, very bready, almost like a nice little loaf of like uh, pumpernickel, something like a nice dark bread. Mild sweetness that you get from it, like a you know like a bready sweetness. Um, a little bit of a hot finish. I don't really get that much, uh, but it's crisp. Nice and easy drinking, warms the soul as I'm drinking it. A uh, little peppery, a little spicy, not very much, but like you know, like like I said, because it is kind of like pumpernickel-y for the breadiness of it. I like it a lot. I think even though it is kind of like what I'd expect out of like a stereotypical uh, winter ale, this is one that I can get behind because it's not filled with shitty uh, old man fruits and it's just basically here's something that's going to warm me up by being nice and bready but nice and drinkable and you know pretty drinkable so yeah i like it i um so i think this one is uh really good i think that it's pretty similar to that brooklyn winter ale that we had on here not too long ago there was a, a winter red ipa that we had and this one tastes a lot like that red IPA. This one's not really getting the um, the classification of uh, an IPA, but it definitely does still have the biscuity maltiness um, and maybe perhaps not as much the pepperiness of the rye that that uh, winter IPA, IPA had from Brooklyn. Um, but it has the same similar flavor profile, uh, right up to the same point of like the type of hops that they've used. And I think that's really good because I like the Brooklyn Ale. Um, what you'll find with this one is I, I can just – I didn't pour this out, but I can see it. This one has a much, much uh, darker, almost like caramel malt-like color to it um, that's like meant to give it more of like that wintry, uh, darker brown look to it. Um, overall, I think this is really good, and I'm surprised that it's it doesn't get a classification of something – akin to an IPA because I do think it is hoppy enough where it is nearly to that point. Um, but as a winter ale, it is important to point out that this one is not going to be like your traditional winter spiced ale. This is this is definitely not a spiced ale. This is more of a um, hoppy, biscuity, malty um, beer rather than like what we had on the show from Beer Tree before, which was like the flannel... Um, flannel lined everything which was a a very spiced winter ale so very different uh take on that but 
I like this one a lot. I think it's a really good, solid, balanced beer from Rogue. I think you could agree to disagree. I don't really get an IPA-ness out of it. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if it was more of like a red IPA, you know. Yeah, for me, you know, the hops are pretty apparent, and uh, I don't know. I just – it's it's like hewing closer to a I, – I could actually even see it be something like an ESB. It's been a while since I've had an ESB, though. I know. Well, those are rare. It's like finding a fucking... I don't know. What's a rare Pokemon to find in the wild back in the day? Mm, You. (laughs) Missing no. That's glitch! (laughs) Honestly, it's way off topic, but I feel like now with, like, all the Pokemon shit, I'm way out of the loop on that stuff. Oh. I actually, I've been watching some videos where of like the new Pokemon stuff, and it's just like, it's a fucking flamingo, but we call it <laughs> flaminga. I I'm, I feel way out I of the loop on those. I stopped at gold, silver, and crystal second gen. Um, that's enough for me. I still have friends at work that still play Pokemon, and it's just like taxing to listen to it because it's like there's nine and like my OCD, like just like like. I like have like flashbacks of like playing Donkey Kong sixty four and all the shit I had to collect and that to you know beat it. It's like oh, there's nine hundred sixty four Pokemon for you to catch now, and it's like oh my god. Mm. Not only that too though, but I mean it's I I always found the concept now to be fucking stupid. Oh, you're you're starting off in this new region and there's oh we got a there's not two hundred fifty anymore. There's three hundred forty now. Worst scientists in the world. They have all this traveling ability to go around the world, and you can't fucking tell that, like, there's, like, billions of types of Pokemon around the world. Like, you dumbasses. <laughs> yeah. Professor Oak and all the Elm and all those assholes should have their degrees ripped from them. You right. suck at your job. They're just like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. We're assuming. We've never been anywhere. <laughs> but we're assuming mean, there aren't you, any more. You mean to tell me there's only, like, two fossil-type Pokemon? Like, Kabuto and, like, whatever... Whatever the other fucking one one is, and it's like, oh yeah, we haven't bothered looking into the fossil record at all. You know, see, like you know, the bones of old Pokemon. <laughs> it's like sh- shitty science. It's true, really shitty science. You know, I know why Professor Oak wasn't looking at other Pokemon because him and Mister Mime were too busy fucking Ash's mom. Put it in her pooer. All right, Ghost Keeper. We can move on from the Pokemon talk. Ghost Keeper. Um, a? I, what? Ghost Keeper. A? A, yeah. I will start out by saying I don't really understand the title that much. <laughs> I I understand it to the extent that they were like, kind of like, okay, they want it to be like they're the keeper of this this lodge and no one is there so it's kind of like a ghost lodge so they're the ghost keeper but other than that i don't really understand i feel like it's a reference to the shining and the fact that they're just like you know they wanted to kind of reference the shining and say uh there's the caretaker in the shining this is the ghost keeper in in this movie because ghost keeper is 
it doesn't have a lot in common with The Shining, but it certainly feels a little bit influenced by The Shining. Oh, it's got a lot of beats ripped from The Shining. Right. It it it's it's so basically the main idea is that there are these three people, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and then another girl that comes up and she's trampy. The, <laughs> the film makes you know, and uh, they. Oh, don't you know she's just a little tramp running around? Yeah, they they basically. Um, are you know snow snowmobiling out into the wilderness and they stop at this one store and the storekeeper's like basically like you better be careful out there um and for good reason i mean these people are out here snowmobiling they don't know where the fuck they are they're and then the, not only that but marty the the main guy is a fucking asshole to everybody in this movie you know what he is he's the canadian version of jack nicholson in the shining and flyboy from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like, definitely yeah. the Flyboy. I can see the comparison. But he's he's really an asshole in this movie, and he they basically he goes to the storekeeper and is you know the jokes are kind of akin to like <laughs> you bun fucks up here in your in your snowy uh, store. Uh, where's the guys whittling in the front of the store? Um, and the storekeeper's having none of it. It's like well, he's like out yeah. of here. He's like yeah, there's fucking no one out here. It's it's the middle of like it's fucking December. The Everybody, store is out off the snowed in. There's like three feet of snow. Everybody's gone. Which begs the question: Why is this store still open? Why is this guy just being like, well, because you know some dumb city folk are gonna come? I'm stocking down. the bread. I'm stocking the eggs. <laughs> it might go bad, but I'm stocking them. But anyway, these three people they go out. They're exploring in the wilderness, and they come. They accidentally come across this. Deer Lodge that's out in the middle of nowhere and is clearly run down, hasn't been in service for quite a while. They even go they even go on a path to get there that says yeah. don't Yeah, do not trespass or whatever. Don't don't come private, here. Private property, stay away. It's basically the equivalent of, you know, the crazy guys in a slasher movie like Friday the thirteenth coming up and say, There's is a curse out there. Don't go there. Uh but it's a sign and everybody's like and the only real person that has any brains is Jenny. She's like, I don't think we should go there. I mean, it says stay out, right? Like, we probably shouldn't just go. They're like, no, we're we're going there for no good reason besides we just want to explore. So you they go, old, you old maid, yeah. Jenny. They just, they go and explore, and they find out that they get they get broken down there, and they're they're stuck there, and they make their way in, and they're like, wow, it's kind of warm in here. Like somebody's been living here, and of course somebody is living there. There's um, the ghost keeper there, by played by Georgie Collins, and that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Like that's that's ultimately that's really all that happens. This movie has a so lot. Let's say so. You mean to tell me they get lost in a storm, end up at a a cabin? Fancy, uh, no, not a a, it's not a cabin. A fancy yeah. lodge in the mountains, and they're snowed in, and shenanigans and corruption ensues that's 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 what happens oh that's stephen king's shining <laughs> i mean it it definitely has a lot <laughs> a lot in common with it uh, of course the the whole the whole movie has a um a wendigo myth myth a, that's going on like the indian wendigo myth um that that comes up at the beginning of the movie they they spell it wendigo um but it's Winnebago. the when it's the Wendigo, like the Wendigo being like sort of like the Yeti creature, uh, Bigfoot, the, you know the 
an Indian myth of, of, of Bigfoot, basically. And so the, the whole movie is, is set around this idea about a Wendigo being out in this wilderness. But yet we're in like this haunted lodge type thing. Um, and the movie has a very limited cast, right? It's, it's pretty much four people throughout much of the movie. We got Jenny, played by Reva Spear, who apparently is like the, really the only big actress that this film hired. The, the rest of the film uh, cast was just like local people, like local maybe actors that they were like, hey, you want to play in this movie? Um, you got Marty, the asshole that we were talking about, uh, Jenny's boyfriend. And um, there's a great scene in the movie later on where Jenny's like, do you want to sleep with her? Talking about the other woman that's with, with them. And Marty's like, so what if I do? Basically, he's like, so what if I do? Uh, you don't own me. And you're, I Remember. pay the fucking bills around here. <laughs> just to say, like, yeah. He's like, what do you care? You don't have a problem spending my money. Yeah. <laughs> or you remember who spent, you know, who pays the fucking bills around I know. So if I want to go and fuck that bitch, I'm going to go and fuck that bitch. It's kind of crazy because, like, at a certain that's point not, you think, that's like. Not, that's not Canadian politeness at all. I know. All. At a certain point you think Marty's going to come back and be like, I apologize. That was really shitty of me. We're stuck Oh, here. no, no, no. He, he no. revels in it. Oh, He's no. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, that dumb bitch. He's like, Showed yeah. He, he, like, goes out, gets tea. Or whatever, and comes back, and he's, like, looking for the other girl, Chrissy, because she shared a very intimate story of how she, back when she was underage and 16, she wanted to um, get into prostitution. Uh, It was a fantasy of hers that she was going to have sex for money, and so she did it at one point, and Marty gets all hot and bothered. Hold hold on, hold on. In the back of a car. That's true, yeah. In the back of a car with a substitute teacher. For forty dollars, twice though. Twice, twice. Yeah, that's that was, what, is, what a bargain. <laughs> She's not being a very good <laughs> prostitute then. <laughs> that's called uh, giving it du- away. Double dipping. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably why she didn't go into that career. She's like, I'm just too bad at it. <laughs> Haggling, not her forte. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's not she's not Gerald Olivia sitting there like all right before I let you come in <laughs> no she it's as I said she's just not good at the 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 monetary value part of it oh, she's shit, selling I'm herself sorry. short to be honest with you because Sherry McFadden very nice looking woman in this movie yeah very t- stereotypical. Yeah, blonde, big, late seventies, early eighties. They look their fucking snow outfits are so stupid. Like Jenny's fucking snow, like bibs, are the dumbest fucking bibs ever. They're like skin tight bibs, but then the way like it, it goes up to her shirt, it's like the lowest cut bib ever, and so her tits are just like kind of hanging out. It's like the most anime nonsense that I've ever seen, and like. <laughs> I was thinking that they're uh, they look a little bit too tight because like how are you yeah how, like, how can, can she move possibly no, move in that thing like they're yeah it's like I said like it's like anime bullshit like you like a design you'd see in an anime because like oh it looks cool in anime but in real life it's yeah. like stupid it looks and really like uncomfortable that. just way too tight way too like too restricting especially if you have to walk through snow like they do uh, and, in the movie. And she's wearing a turtleneck. She's extra restricted. True. 
You know, I mean that she should have been sitting there pulling at her collar the whole time, like, oh god, Marty, I'm like just, what am I wearing? If it were me too, because she's wearing um in the movie later on when they stay overnight, you could see that she strips down to her um her under uh, shirt and uh, her um what do they call those thermals basically, and for me wearing all that stuff thermals, then a turtleneck, then the Ugh. bib. Then the no. jacket, oh, too much. I'm, I'll be sweating my ass. I'll be. Dude, I, I, by, by the time I'm like halfway done shoveling on a night, I'll be. Like, I know. I have I'll, to. I, I'm t-shirt. I'll yeah, be out in yeah. t-shirt. Like, like everyone's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm, like, I'm sweating my I ass know. off." Yeah, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I'm like, <laughs> two shovels in. I'm like, I'm losing the jacket. <laughs> it's gone. Oh, take the hat off. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You know, my know. hands are warm enough. I don't need the gloves. I know. Them. You you think, you know, because, like, you see the the commercials with, like, the Campbell's Soup commercials. Like, yo, he's he's so frozen from being outside in the snow. It's like, no, I'm not coming in and having soup. I'll have a fucking meltdown. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be dehydrated. You'll feel like, I say, you'll feel like that when, like, after, like, 20 minutes being inside afterwards, like, oh, I'm fucking cold. I didn't realize that, but, like, yeah. Yeah, I'll take that soup now, but when you're out there, you're like, oh, sh-, like, you're fucking on a chain gang. I know. <laughs> All to say that their outfits do look pretty tight, too too tight for, for snowmobiling comfortably, but. So, basically, this movie is really weird to me, because Ghost Keeper, you know, it sets up this whole idea, like. These guys are going to go to this lodge. The Wendigo is out there somewhere because the the film starts out with that myth. It's like, oh, there's a there's an ancient myth about the Wendigo. You're like, okay, I know about the Wendigo, right? It's like a yeti t- sort of creature. I it's, don't. it's out in I the don't. wilderness. First, first time I've ever heard of it. Oh, okay, you've never heard about it. It's basically a yeti thing that's out in the wilderness. You're like, you're expecting that when you go into the movie. You're like, oh, okay, there's going to be a yeti somewhere out there, and you know they're going to be at this lodge, but then they're going to be harassed by the yeti that's coming around. And that doesn't happen. No, we get Georgie Collins as a as a this creepy ghost keeper woman who I think is probably the best part of this movie, honestly. I think she does a pretty decent job of being like very, you know, sinister in the background with her nice like uh spaghetti hair. <laughs> she's you know, she's kind of creeping around in the background, like with her bangs before her eyes, sort of like a, you know, fourteen year old emo kid who's you know, it's like I can't look th- I can't look directly at you. I need to have my bangs in my eyes. I was going to say, she's a lot like, uh, a lot of, like, uh, Kathy Bates from Misery and, uh. Oh, yeah, but definitely more, uh, reserved than that, yeah. I was going to say, and the cat lady from fucking The Simpsons that you see throwing her cats at people going like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All I could think of when I saw her. (laughs) A little more reserved than Kathy Bates, um, but I think she does a pretty good job, and basically the, the movie... Is, is a lot about her. She takes him in, she gives him a room, and then she's really focused on Jenny as a person. She's like, you know, she's always staring at her. She's uh, invites her to tea, and then that tea drugs her. And then ultimately find out, like, oh, her, her son is just running around this lodge somewhere. And they ask about him. They're like, oh, so where is your son? And she's like, I don't know. He's around somewhere. And they're just like, okay, that sounds, sounds reasonable. He's just somewhere around this lodge, and I will just stay here overnight. Um... There's not really too much surprise to Ghostkeeper, though. I think, you know, once they've set up this idea that they're staying at this lodge and uh, they introduce the Ghostkeeper and stuff, um, you're pretty much expecting what happens. And the only real twist to this movie is the Wendigo figure that they've been keeping in the basement 
who is basically like a flesh eater, they call it, you know, they've a flesh eater that they have to constantly feed. And it's, you know, it's, it's basically like the burden in the basement. Um, other than that though, this is, it plays out like a pretty traditional slasher, except there's really no surprise as to who's doing the killing or, or what's going on here. I think because the film has such a limited cast, there's really not much of a surprise at all. I was going to say, it's hard to call a slasher where there's fucking, it's a, you got the casting of a dinner theater. (laughs) No, I, I agree. I think the other thing too about this movie is that it is, it is paced really slowly. Like if you're looking for 30 minutes of snowmobile trekking in the Canadian wilderness, then this is the movie for you because you can tune in to the first 30 minutes of it. And be and then you know you're like oh that was a fun fun adventure I'll tune out now and you're good you get you got your snowmobile truck in use it as like um you know one of those like exercise videos where you like you envision yourself out in the wilderness <laughs> because that like the first thirty minutes is really really dry it you know it has not much going on with it see I'll, I'll disagree a little bit like. It's not so much with the pacing this film that I didn't care for. I mean, is it a slog and a you know torturous at times and laborious? Yes, Shining is too. Oh yeah. You you know what the difference is? Besides, one's one's done by one of the greatest directors of all time, and you know the other isn't. Um. What what else is the difference? Casting. If you want to do something like this, I'm not saying you have to have great cast. You don't have to have, you know, Jack fucking Nicholson. But you need to have charisma. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, this film's shot really well. It looks really good. They pace out, like, and screen everything, you know, pretty well. Everything, you know, has a really good look to it and, you know, nice feel. It doesn't look super cheap or anything. The main downfall in this, besides it being, like, a kind of lackluster in its idea, is it's the fact that none, nobody is, like, a charismatic character like that you can get behind. Nobody has any charisma. It's like watching fucking Rabid, you know, with Cronenberg. And everyone's just this fucking, oh man, bad things are going on. This is really bad. What should we do? I don't know. What should we do? Mm-hmm. Let's go this way. Right. Okay. There's no real, there's no um, urgency. There's no reaction, really. It's just kind of like these characters have things happen to them and they're they're just like along for the ride for the most part. Like, like you're sitting there, like when Marty's sitting there being like, ha, huh, yes. That makes you mad. I want to have sex with her. That makes you mad. You should fly off the handle. Why aren't you flying off the handle? You should flip out. You're just mad. You don't own me. I own me. Me. Things. Stuff. I'm going away. Bye. (laughs) No, it's not, you know, William Shatner's, like, thespian school of, like, you know... Of charisma. It's mm-hmm. just a fucking vacuum. And then to have Jenny afterwards run after him like, Marty? 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 Well, the other Marty. thing, too, is... Marty? Marty? Sh- 
we should point out that <laughs> later on in the movie, like about the the halfway through the movie, this this film had um a a fairly I mean I would say like for the amount of cast and stuff, this movie had a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. What did they blow it on? But anyway, like besides that, no, the you're, I- right. you're right on that too. Right. Like. <laughs> the problem with this movie was apparently in production because of the tax shelter budget that they had. They were unable to they, they, the the money that they had was quickly running dry and they were not sure that they were going to have enough money to finish the shoot. So the, instead of um, relying on, you know, what they had already planned, like with the writing, they had to kind of shoot from the cuff and just be like, we need to we need to get rid of what we had planned because it's too elaborate for the budget that we were left with. And they just decided to, like, do it day by day. Writing new stuff as they went along, and you can definitely tell, like when you get to the you know the halfway point, things just start to like fucking go get out of control, and to the point where later on in the film, there's a there's a whole scene after um, Marty finds out that the snowmobile is broken, um, where he goes into the shed, throws like grease on his face, and like freaks out and starts having like a weird diatribe about how they're going to make it and he has to go follow Chrissy because he she must be back at the the, the uh, other lodge somewhere and it makes no sense in the scheme of the movie like first of all why did he just flip out like randomly I guess he's supposed, I guess he's supposed to be possessed yeah I don't I, d- d- it makes no sense in the, in the scheme of the film it's like comes out of left field completely it, re- it really doesn't make any sense all all I could think of when he's rubbing the grease on his face is like fucking the robot chicken skin. Like, Captain Planet! Captain Planet! <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know... <laughs> you know what else, though? Fucking before then, when he's looking at a snowmobile, it's like ten minutes of like, Hi, I'm Bob Vila, here to fix this. Like, you know, no, I know, I like, love that too. Because... As he's like sauntering back and forth like, Shit, I don't have this tool to rip out my spark plug. Goes back to the shed, like, oh, oh, I've got it now. Goes back and like, oh, damn, someone fiddled with this. <laughs> I really like when he takes the, the one of the hoses off and he's like, let me just go into the shed and see what I can cobble together. It's like, what are you going to cobble together? My thought was like, <laughs> if you don't have that fucking specific hose, what do you think you're going to just put together? You're just going to like... <laughs> Pull out like a piece of thread, MacGyver it together. I don't think so. Like, no, he's gonna MacGruber it. MacGruber. Yeah. You, you're gonna need a pretty specific part for that, buddy. I don't think you're gonna. Just I don't know. Those are like nine, you know, nineteen late nineteen seventies uh, skidoos. You probably could find something in your shed and like patch little, it up and little call hose it and just <laughs> pop it on it, there. It's not like today where everything's you know specific. Back then, you know, things were. I know. But yeah, I mean, like, like outside of like elements like that, I mean, there's like there are so many beats that are solely like taken from The Shining in this, and like unabashedly so, whether they will admit it or not. Not just the setting and the premise of them being trapped, you know, during a storm in this setting, and then there being a curse, you know, you know, in The Shining, it's Jack Nicholson having to deal with you know his alcoholism and. The you know, the potential that there's a supernatural thing going on here. They have the supernatural here, but it's a fucking 
Dawn of the Dead zombie reject. Stupid fucking thing. Which is stupid. They shouldn't even have that. Right, it's kind of unnecessary to have that Wendigo it's, it plot. It's, a- you can definitely tell like they meant to do more with the Wendigo plot, and then they 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 didn't they didn't have the budget, so they just had to cut it. You know, it's, it's like such the half-assed, just like oh yeah, here's this asshole eating meat underneath, like. Mm-hmm. But also too, you got like this, the poor like you know, and the Shining, the poor black guy's like I'm gonna go up the mountain and see what's going on, and he gets killed by Jack. Here it's the fucking poor storekeep. He's snowshoeing, and he sees the treads from the snowmobiles after he told him not to go out there. Shakes his head, and he goes up there and gets stabbed, too, you know, by Kathy Bates. Yeah, that is that is weird, too. Like, he just randomly goes out there, and he's like, puts you know, puts himself in danger unnecessarily, really. It's, yeah. It's really just to add to the body count, I feel like, because there's not a lot else to do at that point you know you you've already killed off the one guy that's been chasing after um all the people you know and there's oh, not that, th- that fucker got yeeted off that goddamn roof <laughs> fucking totally i love that yeeted. too because like, the film did surprise me in that sense because i was like okay she's gonna throw him off the roof but it's they're in like three feet of snow he'll be fine you know he'll, <laughs> he'll fall off the roof but no, she she makes it so that he just happens to land on the one strip of spiked fence in the area that nice sanatorium fencing <laughs> that you know they had up like you know my other favorite thing about this movie too is that they did not focus on the dead person's breathing because it's so easy should be so easy to edit the scenes where it's just like hey can you hold your breath for like 5 <laughs> seconds while we get the shot and they're like no we don't <laughs> care we don't care if you're breathing in the shot the last scene where she goes to Marty and he's, you know, he's like frozen out in the the woods. Like The Shining. Yeah, like The Shining. You can clearly, like he's breathing clearly. Like, and not even, not even like he's trying to hold his breath. He's just literally breathing and you can see it. I, I love that about older movies because they really did not give two shits about whether the audience would be looking at whether, if, like if the actor is breathing or not. Well, I mean, it's not in 4K back then. You can't tell. You no, would probably be able to- It's still, it's hilarious to me. Is he just like, his chest is just moving up and down. Not even any attempt at, to stop breathing. You know, everybody has lung disease in this movie. <laughs> Um, what, what do you think of, uh, of, uh, Chrissy, Sherry McFadden? You think of her character? I know you said you don't really like anybody. No, they're all insufferable assholes. We at least, at at least with Chrissy, we do get some emotion. Like she has to play like the sort of mean girl-esque. But she's not even, she's not even a mean girl. She's not doing anything. She's not like throwing her muff in Marty's face. It's true. She's just kind of like. I'm going to go take a bath. If you want to join me, you're welcome to, but you're like, an adulterer yeah. as well. Oh. It's it's actually, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like she's just like, she's putting it out there, but she's really forcing Marty to be that asshole guy that like ex- thinks close. that it's all about him. So it's her fault. No, no, I'm saying it's, it's her, Marty's fault. No, I'm saying you said, you know, she's putting it out there. She's, she's, she's saying... It's open if you're if you if you want it, but well, maybe maybe she wanted Jenny to go in there too. Oh, that's true. Maybe she did. Maybe she's like, I'm just gonna go take a bath. Whoever wants to join. Mm. Um, 
I think that this, like, actually, this is Sherry McFadden's, I think, only movie as well. You know, I think most of these people, Marie Ord too, it's their only movie. Um, I think the, Ghostkeeper is kind of an interesting experience. I think that it has some things going for it. It does capture the wintry isolation and the coldness at times uh, that you get from better movies like Black Christmas. At the same time, it is really, really slow paced and it you can tell by the second act, it has no idea where it's going and it just gets weirder from there. Um, and I think it may have been a better movie had they been able to do what they wanted to do. But as it stands with, with the what we get, it's a very uneven movie. And I wish that it had maybe been able to focus more on the Wendigo elements to it and kind of eliminated some of the slasher experiences that we get because I don't think that they're really doing the film favors. No, it's, it's too, like it, like I said, like you said, and I said earlier, it does like have like a good atmosphere about it. It is shot. Well, it does have like a good, you know, good idea setting wise and how to frame it. I just think, Overall, the whole Wendigo idea, if you're not going to do anything with it, there's literally no point. Same thing with it being like a New Year's. There's no, they, that's just a fucking, it's like, just throwaway shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at, you know, 83 minutes, this film is incredibly laborious. And I think the fact that there's no, nothing charismatic to hook you into any of the ideas, it, it's a, it can be... A very hard watch, and it was a hard watch for me. I was tapping out like every ten minutes, like to take a break and walk away because it's not just monotonous. It's just there's literally nothing to kind of grip your interest. It's like watching paint dry, or like back in the day watching a file try to transfer over, and you're just watching that bar slowly as you see the little paper fly from folder to folder. I think the other thing for that thing to save. Yeah, I think the other thing too is that the the movie, um, it, like the final part of it, kind of exposes how the direction can be. Like there is a a scene at the end of the movie that is probably like three minutes long of Jenny, like in the lounge area, walking around with a candle or like a lantern. And then sitting down and then pouring herself tea. I hope it's chamomile. And, and, and that's it. It's like three minutes long. And that's that kind of already, you know, if, if you were to only watch one part of this movie, watch that and see if you can put up with the pacing of it. Because if you can't, then you definitely will not want to watch the rest of Ghost Keeper. Um, it also has the most frustrating element to it, too, that they try to, like, shoehorn in this idea about um generational insanity right that like jenny is insane because somewhere in her family she had like an in someone else who was insane and then later on in the movie there's a reference to the fact that like the ghost keeper could be her mom right like that she she, she, like tries to tries to do use that as a, a way to get into jenny's head and she's like not having it she just shoots her um 
and the other thing too is when it's really funny when marty finds out like that she killed that guy she he sees her you know kill that guy and she's like he was attacking me and marty's just like you killed him and like he doesn't want anything to do with her it's like you know that funny shit is going on around here the snowmobile has been tampered with you know that so like it's just funny that he's so offended by the fact that he's still like well i don't know what's going on around here but you're fucking insane jenny because your family's been insane it's just you know, I, I don't really like that idea of generational insanity in this movie because, again, I think it's unnecessary and it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, perhaps it was part of like a, you know, a more robust storyline that they had to cut out, but it, it's kind of, it's it, it doesn't go anywhere in this movie. It kind of feels silly. You're just silly. That's right. I think this the score is pretty good though. I think the score actually does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of like the suspense. <clears throat> You know, done by the same guy who did the prom night and my bloody valentine score which is yeah that's interesting because this has you know this is a way way uh less recognized movie than those two others but and yet you know well those other two are canadian classics it's true but i think the score is it does do a lot of the heavy lifting the score and the sound effects that like you know center us in this really wintry cold atmosphere is probably the the best takeaway from the movie. Um, all right, so on a scale of zero to ten, poison chamomile tea, what would you give Ghostkeeper? I'll give it a five out of ten. I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a poorly made film. Wait, what did you say? How much did you give it? Five out of ten. Five out of ten. It was five out of ten. It's not a poorly made film. It's not well executed. The idea is just a mess. Not well executed. It's part Shining, part Native American mystery. With none of the Native American mystery. Has a lot of similar beats to The Shining. Has a lot of similar, you know, things. Um, the actors are one of the big problems with this film because in a film, if you're going to try to tell a story that's methodical and takes its time, you need charisma there to kind of guide it along the way. There is no charisma. The actors and actresses are just vacuous and vacuums. There's nothing to be found. There was nothing that really kept my interest at all. Not even the slasher element. None of the kills were exciting. Nothing was, you know, really cool. It's a nifty little idea that's just not well executed. Um, I think it could have been cool to see... You know, if they had more time to kind of focus it and make it, you know, kind of try to find the film's own footing with the Native American, you know, the Wendigo in the setting and kind of try to do its own thing instead of just kind of aping The Shining. Uh, At 83 minutes, it shouldn't feel as long as it is, and it feels incredibly long, especially in for the first third and the last third, 
uh, I can't recommend it. I mean, I honestly, I think a five would be kind of is pretty gracious, and it's only because, like I said, I think it's shot well, especially for the budget that they had. It looks pretty good. The setting's really nice. There's some good ideas here that it's just not executed well at all. Um, I, I don't know who this is for in today's society because even you, the horror buff, had you know never really stumbled across it. So I, I don't know who this would be for. It's definitely not going to be the worst thing you'll ever watch, but it's it's far from entertaining. So five out of ten. I would give this a 6 out of 10. I think it has some redeeming qualities to it. Um, I think the atmosphere works to its advantage. Like I said, the the score is really good as well. Um, And I think I can see the idea being something interesting. uh, Take on The Shining, but like going in a different direction. And I I think maybe if it had um, kind of gotten rid of the slasher elements to it and focused on more of like either Haunted Lodge or... The Wendigo elements that might have been more um, interesting because honestly, there is a a dearth of uh, good Bigfoot slash Yeti slash Wendigo movies out there. Uh, a lot of them are really not that good or or very um, tense or suspenseful. I think this one could have been one of them, but it kind of loses that in the second half, and I think that that's probably where the film really really goes wrong, and that's maybe not exactly their fault uh, due to budget constrictions but at the same time i'm really surprised at like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in this movie it has like five people they're not well known it, it has like a, w- what looks like a freestanding lodge already i don't know what they spend it on <laughs> to be honest with you. like it's not like there's a lot of makeup effects or anything maybe they maybe they paid that guy for the my bloody valentine and prom night uh soundtrack a lot of money i don't understand like where all the money went though um regardless you know whatever the case may be they didn't have enough money to finish that second half and it definitely shows maybe if they did have that uh, you know if they were able to pursue the original script it would have been a better movie uh but i think that what we get is really really uneven and i wish that it maybe had been able to explore some of the ideas that it seemed to be heading towards because I don't think that the slasher element was something that they truly wanted to focus on. Um, So, you know, fairly well-made, sometimes interesting, sometimes has good atmosphere to it. And I think that's why it gets a six out of 10 because it's definitely not as bad as some of the other movies that we've seen. I think it, it definitely has some sort of um, some element of, of uh, good filmmaking to it. It just didn't get there. So, and so there you go, our New Year's movie. Not really not really much to it based on New Year's, but you can check it out. And, and you can make the decision on how much New Year's you feel it has. Um, all right, so so that's going to end our, our 2022 year. And I think we'll probably come back in 2023 in maybe a couple weeks, and we'll have to come up with a new, another movie that we're going to cover. Because... Now we don't have a theme to go on. You know, we don't... There's no holidays to <laughs> finagle around. So we'll have to talk about that because I haven't really thought about what our our next uh, ideas are going to be. So, um, and, and with that said, too, we have kind of discussed potentially 
doing some video format to our podcast as well. Joy. Kind of fun. Could do <laughs> could do it live. Could do uh, you know a nice stream that some people can watch. Could you know just or even just having a video element to it. People like that too. They like to you know sometimes they like to watch the podcast and so they just listen to it. So those are things that we're we're toying with. Maybe maybe uh, opening things up for the 2023 year and what is it season? It, it would be like our ninth year of the podcast. So in June, yeah. So or July, sorry, July. Also, um, I did want to point out too, we've dropped using the episode numbers in our titles because Apple doesn't like that. So, um, we won't. They don't. No, they they, don't. they actually have an like an internal numbering system which I'll use instead, but they don't like it in the title itself. It's a it's a no no from Apple. Oh. So instead, we won't be we won't be putting the uh, episode number in the title. But we have a, I have like an internal keeping track of all the episodes, so. It's going to ruin everything. How are we going to know that we just did episode? Well, I'm keeping, I'm keeping track. What are we on? This will be 238, I think. 239. 239, something like that. Yeah, I think it's 239. So, yeah. Um, two weeks from now, we'll be back. New episode. It'll be 2023. How how is it? We've gone eight years of <laughs> doing this, and now the Apple's algorithm is like. Eh, 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 eh. Well, they implemented this like uh, I think it was last year, where they said, you know what, it's okay if you put the episodes in, but we prefer you not to. So I'm making the decision to discontinue using it. It's not like it's it's not like it's like uh really bad where it's you know Apple's like we're not gonna we're not gonna promote anything if you put episode titles episode numbers in it but uh, I'm making a decision also because it cuts down on the length of our titles which is good too. You don't like episode 184 Red Hot 80s Action Summer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Four Strike Commando. Yeah, it's just easier all around to to cut down on the. The, the title length of the episode, so. I think the more we do it, the longer our title should get. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, the problem is, is like, when it gets posted to things like YouTube, it cuts off the actual name of the movie. So it just says, like, episode 260, Red Hot 80s Action Summer Road. <laughs> and then you don't know what the fuck the, the movie is. So. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, on her. <laughs> So, yep. So that's why. I didn't know our titles had to be in the form of a tweet. Thanks a lot, Elon. Yeah. Fucking douchebag. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our 2022 season and our New Year's episode on Ghost Keeper. Is there um, anything you want to look back to? No. <laughs> like, no, I'm saying like episode wise. Like what's anything that you're sitting and you're going, yeah, you should. What's like you know? That's something to watch. Uh, what do you mean, like to redo? No, or, no, no. Or... I'm saying for for people to listen to. Oh, uh, to listen to our episode on. Yeah. Um, we had a very productive year this year. We did have a pretty to the COVID years. We did like forty episodes. Yeah. Um, we did a pretty good episode on Dead Ringers. Uh, I would probably recommend that one. 
Um, let's see what else. Now I got to think back to what we all what we did because I honestly forget all the movies that we did to be within that time frame because we did a lot. You're right, we did a lot. We did a Scream Five. Yeah, the new Scream was probably a good one to go back to. Um, take a look here. Funny Games. Funny Games is a, was definitely a good episode. Um, our episode on The Shining. <laughs> yeah, we did do that one too, didn't we? I forgot that. Mm-hmm. That actually ties pretty nicely into yeah, this we one. Did. You should we, go back we, and listen to that one. We did that for Father's Day. Yeah. Um, we did a good episode on Smokey the Bandit. Yep, Smokey the Bandit was a good one. Um, Requiem for a Dream was a pretty good one. Um, we had a pretty uh, illustrious conversation on the Batman. Uh, which I think was a nice one as well. Um, let's see what else. What else? What else? Wow! American Werewolf in London was a yeah, good. We really episode. did quite do quite a quite a number of them because I'm still scrolling back through them all. So Murphy's Law. Oof, that was that was a good one. Our Happy Death Day to You episode, which was not about Valentine's Day at all, but we posted it <laughs> as a Valentine's Day episode. <clears throat> that was a good one. Oh, our discussion on the French Dispatch. It was really good. Uh, if you check that one out, it's very good. Um, you know, basically, it, it really a critical commentary on the French Dispatch and Wes Anderson movies. Check that one out. It was, that was a pretty extended movie. Um, at 135, we, it was a, that was a good episode. Um, and then also, we did a 200 episode, uh, 200 episode uh, celebration with Escape from New York. That was early on in uh, 2022, but you should definitely go back and listen to that one because that one was uh, another extended episode uh, where we talked a lot about the film. I forgot too. Yeah, we did Creep at the beginning of the year. Yeah, we did. Snuck that in. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what are we doing? Creep 2 next? Yeah, we could do Creep 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one to do at some point. I don't know if it'll be next next, but something, something, something to do. You know what? Every time we get closer to 300, you know what that means? What's up? We just get closer and closer to... Um, 300? Well, (laughs) which would be a John Carpenter film, which at this point would be... Uh, One that we didn't do? Uh, Attack on Precinct? Assault on Precinct 13? No. Attack, attack. Assault on Precinct 13? Jesus Christ. You know what? Fuck it. You ruined it. We're done. It's over. Escape from LA? No. God. <laughs> What's the one big one we haven't done yet? Um, oh, my God. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. What oh didn't we do? God. They live. I thought we did. Maybe I guess I'm misremembering. No, I did. Not- I did. They live as a 4K review, but I we didn't do it together. No, we have not done. They live. I'm mis- I thought we did. I don't know why. Well, God damn it! Here's yeah. So we got through like yeah. We got through like 40 episodes this year. Here's to an even more productive 2023. With finding even more listeners that enjoy our brand of semi-drunken, semi-focused <laughs> conversation. 
You're not going to find a podcast with a better crisp beer open than us. That's right. <laughs> Master the art. We'll return in 2023 <laughs> with a Jallo film. How's that? Getting back to the basics. Getting back to what we originally had uh, posited that we would do. Does that mean we're finally doing Blood and Black Lace, or is that for another day? That would be fun. I would I would do Blood and Black Lace for the next time. <clears throat> or we, should we save that fucking anniversary, seeing as that's, you know. We could. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Let's think about the uh, Jalo that we want to do. We'll think about one, and then we'll... Uh... Does it have Tom York as the music? No. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to be Dario either. Although Dario does have a new film on Shudder, which I don't know if it's any good or not. I, I think Michael watched it, said it was all right. But uh, it's probably so wouldn't be the one that I would pick. So not good. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want you to pick a new Dario anyway. Maybe we'll do a short night of glass butterflies. That's one that uh... Kazoon height. <laughs> yeah, we could do. Uh, it's not a jalo, uh, but we could do um, private motel, which is nearly a porno. <laughs> uh, not private motel. Play. Mo- I'm sorry. Play motel, uh, which is a nearly a porno. Nearly. Oh wow, that cover's very porno. It's 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 basically it's like soft chord sort of thing. But no, we'll talk about it and we'll see what we're gonna do for the next episode. Okay. Uh with that said, thanks for listening to us in twenty twenty two. We hope you enjoyed. And uh we hope you have subscribed to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. We're on them all. Uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or Homebase at Anchor.fm, or Good Pods, whatever you choose to listen on. Subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And uh, you can find us on uh, email at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com, where you can write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want to hear us cover, and we'll take that into consideration. You can also donate to us. We ha- have a donation page on our Anchor. Uh, website as well as patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast whatever you donate goes back towards beer so we appreciate that uh thanks for listening we hope to see you back in 2023 as we tackle even more movies a good bad and ugly and until then take care and happy new year